uh, Hadron Hadron yeah. Collider. Sure. Don't come for us, Geneva. <laughs> um, don't ask us to pronounce things on a podcast. Yeah, damn dude. it. Fuck. <laughs> Forcing to read, dude. Anyway. Blaze break. Alright, what's up, man? How much we, uh, so I guess we didn't really say this at the beginning of the recording session, yeah. but we decided to like kick off the yeah. pod that we were going to record like three episodes right away. So yeah. the first three episodes have all been recorded Yep. on the same day. Ending with a bang, dude. Ending with a fucking banger, man. I love this fucking last movie that just came out recently that we saw, or that my wife and I saw fucking... Spider-Man, dude? Yes. Okay, so for this last one, we are doing Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yep. And, um, I, I don't know, like, so as a, like, non-art person, what was your, like, first interactions with the movie? Like, what were your first thoughts um, and, like, it was, feelings? Honestly, it's unsettling. I was, like, at uh, what, yeah. Yeah, it, please expand on that. What, like, what specifically was unsettling? Okay. so... Um, well, first off, it was a, it was an animated movie, and I'm like, I'm like, I don't know about this, I, I don't think I'm gonna watch this, because, I mean, it, animation, I don't, I don't know, it just felt childish, and I watch animated shows now, like, I went back and watched the whole fucking Batman series from when, uh, when we were kids, from the 90s, but they just kill people, they let you watch anything in the 90s, dude, <laughs> they killed people in a child's cartoon, but I watched that, and, uh, they don't even kill people, like, they don't even, like, explicitly, like, kill people in, like, Avengers no, movies. No, no, they don't. It's pretty wild where, where we've come from. Wow, I actually didn't fucking realize that. But anyways, this, um, one, it was an animated movie. Two, the animation was unsettling. Was it, okay, was it, like, um, 2D animation but given some 3D effects with, like, a 3D setting? Is that what it was? Yeah, so I'll definitely get into the technology part because this movie obviously was really um groundbreaking and like technological and like from really? an art standpoint yeah oh, so wow. um okay. yeah in this uh i'm gonna hang on one more one more hit and then right. put it down the bong hit that motherfucker son it was uh, and, 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 and obviously it ended up being a great movie um but honestly it was unsettling at first but then it turned out to be really fucking cool and there was like a lot of cool graphics they did a lot of cool fucking uh effects they did with the 2d mixing up with 3d yeah yeah so to kind of give this reference this movie came out in 2019 yeah um and it was kind of in which doesn't or no 2018 sorry okay which doesn't seem like that long, but honestly, we have made so much, like so many advances yeah. since then, like just in the past like couple of years, and especially time. during COVID. Like, I'm so yeah. excited to see some of the projects that come out of COVID. That'd like, be good. Y'all had a lot of time. Yeah, y'all had a lot of time to sit around and think. But I mean, also we've also been like traumatized repeatedly, so like maybe people have been dealing with that too. So I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Nah, pull your fucking bootstraps out, son. I need some content. I need art. I need fucking art right now. So it kind of comes in this time where, like, CGI is still new enough in the sense of, like, we are still using it as a technology and less of an art form. Not to say that it's not an art form, mm -hmm. but with the thing with... Um, computer animation and I'll kind of get into it more like within this because that was a big part of like establishing the style for this movie okay is the fact that like basically as an animator you like build things and have specific tags and mm. to animate it like it, they are, I, it's you could yeah. sit down and I could do episodes and episodes I took a uh, like a cinema 4d animation course okay. um, in college yeah and so I've done like a little bit of 3d animation and um, like, for example, I um, built the uh, Phantom of the Opera layer from the 2004 Andrew Lloyd Webber movie. Yeah. And so, like, to build that, you have, you get a shape and you basically mold, you're basically, like, molding shapes like you're carving out clay. It's like working with clay in the computer. Mm -hmm. And then to animate, you're adding tags on what kind of materials you want to use on it and that kind of thing. Basically, what I'm encompassing here is that, like, you there's obviously like artistic intent with everything 
but the computer fills in a lot of the spaces. Okay. So the computer is making this a soft material, but you, we haven't yet figured out how to like specify some of that stuff. And so what this movie really did is it took computer animation and how, how that benefits animation just in the sense of like time, but it also takes it and puts a more like illustrative hand-drawn look on it just because yeah. they played a lot of, a lot around with just going back into like figuring out how to take older animation styles and putting them into this computer graphic form, mm -hmm. which you know what it felt like kind of, it felt like, uh, like you were reading the comic book, but then the com comic book came to life. And so you still have those comic book drawn characters, but they're interacting with a real world. Yeah, and I think I think one of the biggest things that struck me about that too is you if you've watched any other animated movies, like mm -hmm. they'll kind of play around with like some of that stuff. First of all, this movie hits you in the head with it, like right off the bat. Yeah. They are not fucking around with this shit shit. Like their original so a lot of their original intent with the movie was to get back to like the very like pop art style of comic books with the um the dotted shading and um hatch marks yeah. and Ah my cat just knocked over my microphone, you asshole. Sorry, lad. Are we good? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. The I, pop art. Yeah, it's a major like pop art inspiration and and that was like a lot of the like intent with the movie. So yeah. I guess uh, I'm going to start with as far as like some of the research I did, which Flint, uh, at the beginning, we both showed up today with like our notes and stuff. I, yeah. I have like mine on my iPad um, and then I also brought... Uh, a I... whole fucking book, dude. <laughs> a yeah. whole fucking book. This motherfucker <laughs> walks in with a book? Bro. So I do my notes on a um, app called GoodNotes, and I had like uh, pages, 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 and pages. Yeah, for um, my notes, and then I also read the um, art of and uh, the art of uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. So yeah. it's a whole in depth. And honestly, if you can get your hands on the art of First of all, art of books are amazing to have, especially if you're an inspiring artist. Like, it's a good collection of uh, conceptual art um, and like structural art on like how the development of like like how they created characters and like the like whole process of like developing the visual aesthetics for the entire movie. Yeah. And so, if you can get your hands on those books, like those things are fantastic. I always ask them for like Christmas and shit. So I got this book a while back, and that was like one of the big things. I was like. I like couldn't decide on what to do for this episode and I was like I saw that book and I was like fuck yes fuck yes here's something I can spurg about yes yes I mean like <laughs> I've been like like yelling at people for years about this movie I'm like this really? movie is amazing amazing everybody needs to watch it and love it and just enjoy it as much as I do hell yeah so yeah no I fucking love this movie um to I guess to like bring it all back um I'm gonna talk a little bit about history of Spider-Man, history of um, Miles, and then go into like a lot of where I'm coming from with what I'm talking about is from an art background with the aesthetics and then a little bit of like the technology and how that like changed within this movie. Yeah. So uh, to start off, the original Spider-Man, which I thought it, he was created like way back. I thought he was like one of the original, original, which I guess he is like an original hero. Okay. But I thought he was like, like like superman like uh superman was 1939 yeah. i think 1939 1940 something like that as a uh, world war ii propaganda yeah yeah so spider-man yeah. was not that he was 1962 which is really late in the game yeah for considering like he's considered the original everyman hero is he yeah he's considered the original this is your like good old boy spider-man yeah i just punched him on the the, the yeah. shoulder but... Fucking fr yeah friendly neighborhood spider-man that was always the yeah shit. he was like the relatable guy which also yeah. of course he's a relatable guy we have the perfect human superman or a multi-billionaire sad boy 
Batman. Yeah. So, I don't know, like... Or even fucking... Yeah, no like, shit. Not everyone's fucking Tony Stark, dude. I mean, fucking Captain America was made in a fucking lab. I mean, yeah, bro. yeah. A teenage boy getting bit by a spider and becoming a superhero? Yeah, of course, that's gonna be super fucking popular. Yeah. So, it was created by... The writer was Stan Lee, and then Steve Ditko was the, um, was the illustrator, and then, um... He was actually originally a filler story for a canceled anth anthology series. The series was just basically uh, like different stories every time. And it was, this one was about this orphan that got bitten by a sp radioactive spider. Mm -hmm. And he didn't, he didn't have the like web thing at first. It was just like climbing walls yeah. and super strength and that kind of thing. Okay. So it wasn't until 1963 when they created The Amazing Spider-Man. And honestly, you could really get into, like, the history of Spider-Man. That could be, like, an entire another fucking episode. Yeah. But I'm not going to get into that. Okay. Because I, I, the history of Spider-Man is kind of interesting, too. Just the difference between, like, the amazing Spider-Man and Spider-Man. Yeah. Because those are, like, different rights. Well, Especially, then, then they eventually, like, combined them. Yeah, they? yeah. They kind of, like, broke apart and then came back together. So that's a whole other thing. But you have the fucking multiverse. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. And I think that's why Spider-Man is so interesting is because he's like one of those really rare relatable characters and yeah. characters that have n not necessarily like he hasn't really changed much in his core. Like he's still this like good hearted kid from Brooklyn, you know, yeah. and that's something that's like consistent. Whereas I feel a lot of I, a lot of heroes have had to conform to or not conform but modernize themselves like, what do you mean i think like there are things about batman and superman they are so old that like there are things about them that have had to modernize oh yeah they have definitely had to modernize i mean like fuck they had the bat copter they had the fucking bat shark repellent fucking robin war boy shorts uh in the streets fighting people with guns and like they not to say that like spider-man is a saint or anything i don't want to put him on a pedestal yeah <laughs> but um but i mean like i think it is interesting to see the history of a character that has really kind of kept its core from the beginning okay yeah, yeah so miles morales was actually created in 2011 as the hero of the ultimate spider-man comics um and he a big thing for him was that he was uh he was actually one of like, I, again, a rare like main hero character of like being um, uh, half African and half Puerto Rican like that. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the big things of like bringing um, this story onto the big screen of you have this like beautiful moment of this isn't just like some fucking white dude up on the screen. It's like this 13 year old boy who live his who is like experiencing life as a 13 year old boy within our world now, you know, yeah. and that's like the beauty of his character. And so this was actually one of the first animated superhero movies to hit the big screen. So and that was like yeah. a big thing, too, because yeah. Um, and that's another thing too, that with, uh, if you look into like some of the marketing on, um, like Avenger movies and, and Marvel movie, like Marvel live action movies, they mm -hmm. have these, like, you can find really beautiful, like, uh, movie posters for them, but people will not, not use those because people, uh, assume that they're going to be animated movies and they will not go to them. Yeah, really. Which like. Uh, as like an artist and somebody who's really into animation, they assume that it's just going to be like a silly animation movie. And I'm, oh my god, yeah, no! That's exactly like... <laughs> what I thought about this movie. It took me a long time. It took me a shit ton of people to go, hey, this is really fucking good. You have to fucking this see it. This is fucking amazing. Watch it. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. And so that's that just like... dorky, man. I mean, going to watch a cartoon. Well, and when I tell people I'm into animation, I feel like it's always one of those things of like, oh, you like are into Disney. And it's like, no. There is such an expanse of animation within adult context that like is so, I don't know. Like, I just love the idea of not being constrained by like any boundaries whatsoever within your craft. Mm. And that is what animation offers. I feel like know? it's important now because animations in my opinion has gotten a little lazy recently hasn't it oh, like every character on all the fucking shows uh my friend has a son and sometimes i walk in the room <laughs> there's tv and i've seen them before and it just seems like every cartoon now has the same artist like the uh, that guy just draws for every fucking show and it looks like the same body type like there's how no old, how old is your your um, he watches Cartoon Network. Cartoon Network. Yeah. Yeah. I okay. Um. I you can definitely see specific styles within networks. Like Disney has a specific style, okay. and 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 that's kind of what we get into. Of this movie came at a time when like 
the Disney style was pretty much it for animation. You know, mm, okay. that was kind of ruling. And then you kind of had this off-brand Disney style with like DreamWorks and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but that's the this movie really like took it up. Okay. How could we not do it? Was I, yeah. Yeah. Like, how do you break? The I mold? can't even. But yeah. Basically, they were like, okay, we do not have anything to reference for this. How do we create something like this and basically create a new subgenre of animation? Yeah. So one of the big things that when creating this movie that movie that they wanted to hit, which I think they did like such a fucking f- successful job at, is uh, hitting the four qu- quadrant target, which. I am not crazy about like how they divide this up, but it's basically divided up in females um, over 25, males over 25, females under 25, and males mm. under 25. Okay. And so that's like their target market. And most movies will hit like one or two of those, or yeah. even like one of those. What they hit? Yeah, but with this movie, they really wanted to hit all four. And, oh, okay. And I think like the beauty of that is, is they have the multiverses where they hit. They have a character like Gwen, who is a younger female who can who like fills that role, and then you have Aunt May, who's like a badass and hits kind of like the older female role, yeah. and and you have Peter Parker, who like from the older Peter Parker, who yeah. like comes back and he's like kind of like the dad role, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think like this movie does have like a unique position of like relating to a large group of people. Yeah. And it's cool they hit, um, I mean, they hit uh, Nick Cage's uh, noir, noir Spider-Man. They get into, like, the different, like, um, what-if universes. I can't remember what what Marvel actually calls them, but it might actually just be called, like, Marvel what-if. But, like, it goes into, like, uh, noir was a big one uh, that they did, and it was pretty cool that they involved that, and that really, that probably really hooked in, like, the really, like, nerdy comic book readers. Like, I'm a DC guy, and uh, I've always been a DC guy, so I'm not really f- familiar with a lot of the Marvel stuff. That's why you keep hearing me go back to Batman. But uh, if they did that, or actually, they did do that with, um, they did that with, a, um, it was like Batman, but they're all samurais. And, but, like, the, the multiverse shit, that really would hook a dork like me who just obsesses over comics you know well and i'm all i'm also i wouldn't say i'm i love like comic book like movies or like mm-hmm. superhero movies yeah and the sense of i love the art and just like the craft that goes into them i wouldn't say i'm necessarily a comic book fan yeah initially i'm um but i used to read them the moment like the moment they got issued i would buy them on kindle and i'd read them and that's one of the things that really got me pissed off from these superhero movies is that they would never stay true to their original content. They wouldn't be true to the comics. And yeah, that's like every reader, though. Yeah. Like, everybody but, I mean, of, who reads yeah. anything is like, you didn't get a full, like, 500 pages of, of content into a one-and-a-half-hour yeah. movie? But I feel like they they did a better job than the rest of them about, like, uh, making... DC? No, 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 Spider, uh, the um, Spider Verse. Oh, yeah, I thought yeah, they yeah. really catered to the comic book reader crowd. Oh, yes, no, and that I think that's what like the beauty of this movie is, is it caters to the like artist the and the comic book readers. Yeah, comic book readers, yeah. and yeah, I mean, you can just see like so many, fa- so many groups and like, yeah. like talented people came together to like create something that was like multi-dimensional. Yeah. So okay. Now that we've just, like, fawned over this movie for, like... <laughs> yeah, we sucked your stick pretty hard, dude. Yeah. The FX supervisor, Danny uh, Dim- Dominion? Dominion? Oh, no. Uh, Sorry, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to put all my resources in the show notes, so okay. you'll be able to, like, find um, find names and that kind of thing. Okay. And I apologize, the FX supervisor. Um so, um, honestly, like, this movie really has a lot of people. So, he is originally from um, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, who worked on Hotel Transylvania. And mm-hmm. you're going to see a whole lot of people with um, who worked on Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs on this on this team, which, really? like, shocked me. That is an interesting choice. Yeah. Because that is a different feel, dude. A yeah, completely that different is a feel. completely different. Yeah, like, everything about Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, I feel like, is so, like, soft and round and, like like kid friendly and inviting and everything about 
Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse is like bold and daring and like harsh shapes Sharp. and colors yeah. and like it's just like yeah everything pops dude yeah and so and that's what you i will definitely get into a lot of the technology that started with cloudy with a chance of meatballs ended up ended up like making this movie okay so um so and then um some major producers were chris miller and phil lord and they worked on jump uh, uh jump street and the lego movie okay which the lego movie makes so much sense too because that's another one that's like animation taken out of its computer animation like taken out of its normal position yeah and so uh it was definitely coming from a place where like photorealism and disney especially like within we didn't even talk about like gaming graphics of the photorealism of like trying to get which even now is just like fucking amazing that Mm -hmm. they like are able to accomplish that level of detail yeah yeah or this movie was really trying to like figure out like okay, how do we, like, we can do photorealism and we can do the Disney look. What else can we do with it? Um, and so that's when they really decided. So so what you're seeing is somebody took a 3D model, and so there's a 3D model under everything, and then they put 2D line work on top of it. Oh, wow. And so it's like, so um, they did a lot of it, like, on the Wacom palette, tablet, okay. if, if you know what that is. No. No? Okay, so it's like, it's like an extension you can like at, hook it up to your computer and um, it's like kind of like an iPad but like it's got the but power yeah. of a computer yeah and so um, so yeah so it's you can pull you can do like Illustrator like you can do whatever on it but basically they'll like animate on that and um, and then they'll like add the 2d line work on top of that and um, so, which is kind of interesting because, um, you can, so basically with, to get the 2D, like look in, uh, 3D animation, you can add, like when I did it in my class, like you can just add like a tag on the end. When I was ready to render, I would, you, they have like a box on the rendering screen that you can literally click that says, do you want this in 2D animation? Mm-hmm. Um, you don't really know what you're, sometimes you don't know exactly what you're going to get. Yeah. Cause yeah. it like is that it just renders weird and like computer animation yeah, is just funky. In, it fills yeah. in space. Yeah. Yeah. It's just funky. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so, um, yeah, so that's kind of scary. And so they, um, they were kind of combining two methods of like doing the 2d and on top of the 3d forms. And that, so that's where you get like some of the like shading of the skin with the, like the like intentional, like hatch mark shading or like the dotted yeah, yeah. shading. Um, and so one of their biggest things that they were like trying to avoid, uh, especially like if you think back to like older animation, if you think back to like Toy Story, how like slick, think about the textures of like Toy Story. It's very clean and yeah. like slick. And it almost looks like very like shiny, which works Everything for... looks new, you know? Yeah. There's no dirt. Anyway. Yeah, there's, there's no, no like grind to it. There's no like... There's like... no texture. Yeah. There's no texture at all. Yeah. And so like we're coming from that's our like jumping off point with computer animation. This movie had so much fucking texture. If you look like so one of their things was when you like pulled out a single frame from this movie that it should look like an illustration. Like any at any point if you pause the movie that it should look like its own piece of art like by itself that you can frame. Wow. And so um with that if you look at if you just like pause the movie for like 5 seconds you can find four or five different textures on top of it and if you've never worked with computer animation you don't like understand how crazy that is. How, how long like, did it take to make this? That. Um so <laughs> that's actually the funny not funny part so they had a hundred so toy story had 27 animators and again like this is toy story was one of the first like computer animated movies but they had 27 animators this movie had 177 animators oh wow and um and so that's not even including like special effects people like other production people um yeah it so normally uh it would take it would take a week to uh to render to like create four frames in the movie and uh you it's like 24 uh, it's 24 frames per second normally and so oh, you can wow. imagine how like long that takes and that's why and part of that is why we have like huge teams working on animated yeah, movies yeah. um and so but that's this insane dude this one was so complicated that we, they were able to make one frame a week 
Wow. Just because it was like dealing with like how to figure out technology and how to figure out like, so, okay, so we're figuring out this style. How do we do it within, how do we create? Uh, and uh, so that's like a huge thing within like, how do we create like his glitches or the like venom strike or um, he, uh, he goes invisible. And that was a major thing of like, okay, so how do we, how do we take him being invisible and how do we put it within this style? Because if you do it within computer animation, like you want to still like suggest that he's there, have a visual representation of him. You can't just leave it open. Mm -hmm. So kind of what they did is they um, were really inspired by the cuttlefish and basically it's when it would like position itself uh, using its camouflage it, from certain angles, you couldn't like see it. It just like camouflaged within the back and you can only see a shading and outline of him. Yeah. So it's not invisible. It's just like you're changing your tone to match what's in your surroundings. Yeah. And it's like a light suggestion. And so oh, like okay. basically what they did is they took the 2D line work and took out and, and just made it into like a light suggestion of like him being invisible okay which is like really kind of interesting because they had to figure out how to take that and put it within the like 2d 3d animation yeah um and so that was and another thing was the the glitches which um do you know what those are yeah well when they were uh they they belonged to a different universe and they were like fucking like spazzing, spazzing out. the fuck out yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um, so, uh, basically when they were trying to like, uh, concept the, uh, glitching like portion of it, they just, they like landed on cubism and do you know what cubism is? No. Okay. So cubism is, um, for example, Pablo Picasso is like one of the most famous cubism okay. artists and, um, uh, it's taking, it's when you can take, uh, it's abstract art and you take it from like different perspectives and like it's. You can kind of almost see it's most of the time it's in like like fragments and so like that's where like the inspiration comes. it's like fragments and if you like look at the um if you look if you like pause it when they're like glitching you can see like they they pick different angles and styles and um animation styles like yeah. um in a single frame like for that glitching so oh. each of the like little sections like squares that are like glitching off are a different like perspective of that person and animation style which like wow within again within the technology is amazing mm -hmm. i i don't know how to like emphasize that <laughs> that enough um so that was like a lot of things that they had to get over and trying to figure out how to bring this very like illustrative like hand-drawn look to the computer animation because before everything and and that was a big thing too is everything everything was manipulated by the computer and the computer did everything perfectly so how do we bring like imperfections back into the computer mm. and so one of the things it looks too clean it's totally yeah scary. yeah it's too clean so um one of the things they did is um, they kind of wanted it to look, uh, similar to, uh, stop motion animation. And, um, so basically what they did, um, to like, kind of give you like the imperf imperfection that you see in the movie, which is like part of the beauty is, um, uh, they splintered and offset the, um, images. So it kind of looked like a misprint. So if you understand what I'm saying, where the like line work will be slightly off from oh. the foreground or the background. Yeah. Like. And then uh, uh, they also, another technique they used was uh, the cam camera lens when instead of like defocusing, if you see in the background, like a lot of times to pull your attention and they'll like blur out the background. Right. Um, instead of doing that, they, um, they took it and offset the images. So you were basically looking at two different like line works oh sorry of the um of the image oh okay um which again is like something that like has never been done before and is like kind of a really a unique like comic book kind of thing yeah yeah um and so uh that was like one of the the ways they um handled like the imperfection and kind of getting that like grittiness in and then another like major thing um is is playing with the frame rates i talked about for a normal like animated movie it would be like 24 frame rates per second. And so for this one, instead of being a consistent 24 frame rates per second, it varied and they would like hold images for longer. So then the motion isn't as smooth. Whoa. 
So instead of it being a very fluid mo motion, it's kind of like the original. If you think about some of the older claymation stop motion yeah. animated films, it's kind of like choppy. It feels like a lot grittier, and that's like one of the tools. And they that... wanted to do that so that it doesn't seem like it's it's not. Um... I mean, it needed imperfection, it needed texture, so that's why they did that. Yeah, okay. and that was one of the tools they used for that. So, yeah, that was a huge thing. So, uh, we talked about the FX supervisor, um, visual X FX supervisor, um, Danny Demian. I hope I'm pronouncing right. I'm sorry. If Don't I'm come for us. <laughs> um, he worked on Hollow Man, and he actually kind of came up with the, he came up with the creating, like, Basically, like, making somebody invisible in, yeah. like, movies. So he came up with the idea of, like, putting a green suit on, filming with that person in a green suit, taking them out, and then filming again. So that person is still, like, moving and interacting with the space around them, but they're not there. Right. And so he basically created that in 2000. And, um, and so... He was basically, um, and he references that a lot when like creating this movie because he had to create that technique and tech that technology like from scratch. Yeah. So like for this movie, one of the big things that like made it what it was was he. Um, so this movie um, created the open color IO, and basically it's like a color management tool. Tool and um, uh, what it does is basically clarifies the color and so if you like it was like they started it with cloudy with a chance of meatballs and i think that's why so many of those people were on this team okay um and so it started with cloudy with a chance of meatballs and you can see if you look it up there's like images and basically it looks like somebody just exposed the picture more like it was underexposed before and they exposed the picture more so it, it adds more like variety to the color and um makes it makes them like pop more okay and so that's how you get the bright, colorful, the ending scene where it's just like neon colors fucking in your face. Like yeah. that would have never worked without this program. Okay. Like you, like neon before, like in com computer animation would have been like terrible for your fucking eyes. Really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so, um, and so that's where, that's where a lot of the, the style comes from is that like they were able to use it with that color management tool. Yeah. And so that was used, also used in Hotel Transylvania 3, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatball, and then Alice in Wonderland, which um, I didn't specify, but I'm assuming they're talking about the Tim Burton one. Yeah. Which is really impressive. That one's a really moody color scheme. Uh -huh. I don't know. And they just made, made it pop, made the colors richer and stuff using this tool. Yeah. It so, is a cartoonish sort of world, though. So yeah. I get it. Yeah. And, and that was one of the things, too, with this movie of, like, they they really played around a lot with, like, lighting and color. Like, they did, they still stayed within the realm of, like, these, like, bright pop pop art colors and, like, atmosphere and, and style within the, the, the animation. But they they had a lot of lighting variety and kept it still moody this wasn't just your typical if you think about like an animated movie like pets or despicable me very bright and sunny and super like saturated colors and that kind of thing this movie had a lot of color and a lot of pop to it mm -hmm. but it wasn't all just like saturated color and bright sunny days and that kind of right thing. Like, right it had a variety and i think that is one of the things that made it such such a universal movie is it wasn't shoving dopamine in your face <laughs> right <laughs> So I kind of do want to get into like the individual characters just because they did play around a lot with um, a lot with like the individual style just because they are from different universes. So um, a lot of this is coming from my like art of um, the Spider-Verse book. I thought it was really funny. The original Peter and Miles universe. Yeah. Uh, it's they... called Prime. Uh-huh. It's called Prime. Yeah. It's own Prime Universe. Prime Universe? Yeah. That's what you call it? No, no, no. Let, let's just call it that for the Prime sake of universe. this episode. Oh, okay, okay. So we're yeah. not getting confused. So, and, like, Prime Universe, um, the original Peter, which the, like, crew all called Rip Peter, and was voiced by Chris Pine, which he's not, like, credited in the movie, just because he, oh, okay. I think he only has, like, one or two lines. Right. Um, they, the, so their idea with him was, um... He was actually inspired by Brad Pitt and a, a river, run, a, a river runs through it, 
God. Oh my God, I'm high. Um, <laughs> so, um, Chris Pine. I love Chris Pine. Yeah. That's, that's uh, incredible to find out. Wasn't even credited. Yeah, yeah. Well, and he, I mean, he's obviously like the, the like large older Spider Man from the other universe. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was the guy from the New Girls. New Girls? Yeah. Or uh, the, uh, the New Girl. The TV series? Yeah. With, um, Zoe Day and Chanel? Yeah, that uh, that was the voice actor uh, who played older Peter from another universe. Oh my god, yes. What's his name? Um, The guy who plays Nick. Yeah. Yeah, that's perfect too. Because, I mean, like... He I, plays a real down-on-your-luck guy very well. Yeah, he does that. Yeah, and I... I so, I watched this movie um, last night, and then we finished it up today. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and my partner finished it up today. And I... The old Peter is... I just, I love him so much. He, yeah, like, he cracks good. my shit up. I just, I love the trope of these grand, big skate stakes. And he's just like, I've been doing this for 10 years yeah. now. Oh I'm really God. bored with it. Yeah, like, can we all chill the fuck out? Because I feel like that's, like, kind of how I am. Even as a teenager, I was like, I fucking hate teenage shit, and this is all stupid. Yeah. Like. Impatiently punches a car out of the way. <laughs> but, which brings us to, like, the Rip Peter original, um, like dead Peter, is supposed to stand in contrast to old Peter because he's like such this perfect Brad Pitt guy. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, and so uh, their like styles are very similar, and obviously Miles stands within that style. But they wanted to kind of like connect them because they are kind of quote unquote more the original Spider-Man tropes. Um, yeah. And so uh, I actually have a quote from the. Uh, Sony Picture Animation president, uh, Christine Belson, uh, or Kristen Belson, I don't know, whatever, however you pronounce your name. Um, we're just, like, gonna spend this entire podcast just, like, shitting on people's names. Yeah, don't come for us. <laughs> we're not doing it on purpose, we promise. Please, uh, if we mispronounce your name, uh, nicely email us a pronunciation of your name. They won't. No. That's a lot That's to okay. ask, too. That is a lot to ask. It'd be cool, though. It'd be a lot cooler if you did. It'd be cool. We'd get your name right. We'd yeah. correct ourselves. That's right. <laughs> It'd be real cool. But, but uh, yeah, what's up? Um, so she said, one of the key messages of this movie is that anyone can wear the mask. We all have the power and responsibility. It's up to the future generation of this country to stand up and do the right thing. Which I have a lot of problems with this quote. Oh, my God. Why? Um, because not everyone can wear the mask because these people literally have spider powers. Oh, well, yeah. I know, I'm, I'm going too little into <laughs> it. I know, I'm kidding. But also, I no, I think that is still true because, I mean, like, look at the variety of people they cast in this in this movie, like, mm-hmm. as, like, look at the variety of, like, characters they have within the show. I yeah. mean, like, literally I don't know, Nicholas I think that's Cage pretty cool. And so, like, I think that embodies it. But the idea that she's like, anybody can wear the mask. But only the future generation can help us. It's like, so you're just going to sit on your ass and wait for everybody to help? help? No pressure, dude. Yeah, it's like, I hate, I hate when, like, older adults, I almost said adults, and I'm like, I'm an adult. Yeah, (laughs) the older generation. The older generation sucks. They will continue to say, it's not that hard. We we bought our house at your age. Well, it was like fifty thousand dollars. I'm spending fucking a hundred eighty for something smaller than what you got. Dude. You fix things because I'm too lazy to do it. Yeah, thanks, guys. So, just my opinion on that. Yeah, but, you're uh... wrong. Whoever your name is, <laughs> I don't care that it if we mispronounced it. Fuck you, dude. But I do like the first part of that quote where okay. like anybody can wear the mask and anybody can make a change and anybody can you anyone know, can yeah yeah anyone can and I think that is very true. So two miles. Let's talk about miles. Oh my god. So I love the inspiration for his character. His character okay. was inspired by the president at the time, Barack Obama, and Donald Glover. That's really I sad. Fucking love Donald Glover. That's pretty cool. I like Donald Glover, man. Yeah, Donald Glover could literally, like, shit gold. And I'd be like, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, everything he touches is fucking dope. Oh, yeah. Well, he wouldn't even have to shit gold. He could just shit shit, and I'd be like, that's amazing. Dude, oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay, so in his stand-up, it was so funny, but he was talking about how, like, uh, it he was, was talking rumored. about Spider-Man. Yeah. Yes, oh, my God. And that's what I thought about, too, because I was like, I think that it's hilarious that he was the inspiration because 
He was like, I'd be the Spider-Man if they wanted to cast me as a Spider-Man in his stand-up. Someone freaked the fuck out about it. Yes, and I was like, I want that. Please do that. I also do want Michael Cera to be Shaft, though, because that would also be very fucking cool. Yeah, I don't know about that. I think that would be funny. (laughs) Fuck yeah, dude. So, so he was inspired by Barack Obama and the former President Barack Obama. I don't know if I have to say a full title with that. I don't think he deserves any title other than fucking... (laughs) Anyways. And actor <laughs> Donald Glover. Yes. And so Miles is a 13-year-old boy. Um, and so a lot of their, like, inspiration with him, they, they talk about, which I find hilarious, and as, like, a lanky, like, awkward, like, middle schooler, uh, they were like, we gave him really big hands and really big feet and long limbs because we want him to look like a baby deer the entire time just like yeah like struggling and just like to move yeah just like like new to everything yeah which again as a lanky like middle schooler i'm like i love that like (laughs) i just i like know for a fact that i looked so fucking awkward in middle school trying to do things (laughs) trying to exist trying to exist i'm like ah fuck this sorry guys i'm new here i didn't exist until 13 years ago (laughs) now i have spider powers now i have spider powers (laughs) which is fucking wild i didn't realize he was like 13 like that's so young i thought he was at least like a freshman in yeah. high school, which means like fourteen or fifteen. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't I, mean, I don't know what the difference hard, is dude. between fourteen and thirteen, but yeah. like thirteen and I feel like is like trademark like puberty. Yeah. And it's hard already without spider powers. Yeah. Like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> you could have helped the fucking character out a little bit. I know, and so they're also like at the end all the spider people go back to their universe. Like, obviously, like, they can't stay because yeah, they'll they will die. die. Yeah. But also, like, they're just leaving this, like, 13-year-old boy to defend all of Manhattan. Like, yeah. <laughs> Fuck you guys, man. For real. And you know what? That's probably why the Sony president put it all on the future generation. She was like, 13-year-old boys can, like, solve our problems. Yeah, let's just give it to them. <laughs> Fuck this. Let's inflate the fucking dollar beyond proportion. Let the fucking kids deal with it, dude. <laughs> Low-key, yeah. Yeah, dude. Um, so, Miles. right it over, but, um... <laughs> what is it? Who's next? So, Gwen, uh, or Spider-Gwen, is voiced by Haley Steinfeld, and I love Haley Steinfeld, like... Oh, yeah? Was she the like, girl from funny. Bumblebee? Um... Mm, I don't know. I... Oh, yeah, that's her. Oh, it is, yeah. Oh, she was wait. also in... She's in the new Arrow, or not Arrow, oh, is she... um... What, uh, Hawkeye series. Oh, okay, cool. I don't know why I mixed those up. That was weird. Um, I guess... They both shoot arrows. Whatever, dude. <laughs> like, it's all nerd shit, dude. Whatever. It's all nerd Just shit. fucking be happy it exists. Just, yeah, just enjoy your fandom. And, yeah. Like, don't, like... Don't be a dick about don't it. Don't be a dick about I it. I was a dick about it for a long time. I was also a dick about it at one point, too. But, yeah. like, I feel like that's, like, growing up now is, like, figuring out how to not be a dick. Yeah, about your it's kind of just like who, like learning who the fuck cares. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to. <laughs> but uh, Spider Gwen, dude. Yeah, she was cool, man. Yeah, and um, I mean, I they got her costume like comically or uh, comic accurate, I think. Too. Yeah, yeah, they did, and um, that's pretty cool. Actually, all of them were pretty comic accurate. Really, and she, so she kind of had an impressionistic style to a lot of her stuff, and if you like, look at the end on her universe, like. Her background is, like, very impressionistic style. Okay. Um, and so, and with her background, too, of, like, she's, like, a ballerina with, like, martial arts training and that kind of thing. So, with her body type, they really wanted to, like, emphasize the long, lanky, like, muscular ballerina yeah. look. So, the next one is Spider-Ham, which is... Oh, okay. John the, Mulaney. Yes, John Mulaney. And... Um, he, he was, so Spider-Ham was originally created in 1983 by Tom DeFelco and Mark Armstrong, and he was inspired by Looney Tune characters, which, like, brings me back to the, yeah. his end quote, which was, like, that's all, folks. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, this one, uh, with this style, they had a lot of fun of playing, playing with the 3D, pushing it into, like, ridiculous yeah like ridiculous 2d style one of the things that uh that has like changed within animation is before we would do like a animation blur to like show motion and so that was more like a blur like a blur of motion like like you can like a streak of color yeah like that idea 
Whereas like an animation, like an animation smear is when um, they take and it looks, you can almost see like pinpoints of the motion. So when you have like a motion of hands drumming, and that's one of the um, examples they give of Gwen's hands drumming, you can see multiple hands yeah. drumming. And so that's that's another thing that they took into like a style consideration of we want that smear of motion instead of like a smooth transition it is a graphic motion yeah and so um that was a big with spider ham and then and then uh penny parker was honestly um a huge style thing of like she's a an anime character like she is a anime character and within this like 3d realm yeah which that's just huge because like anime is so 2d do you watch anime no <laughs> No, I don't. Yeah. Uh, I watched, I got into anime in middle school um, a bit. I I didn't watch, like, the action anime. I was definitely more female-targeted audience yeah. anime. Like, Ew. on High School Close Host Club. Oh, gross. Fruits Basket. Oh, my fucking roommate <laughs> liked that show, dude. Or in fucking... High School Host Club. Yeah. I love that. So did you watch it? Did you watch some of it? I walked into the room while my wife and her were watching it. And I was like, this is fucking disgusting. And you people disgust me. (laughs) And you disgust me too, (laughs) ma'am. Fuck. So, um, Batch, I feel like I need to explain. Like, if you have not seen that show, that show is like, like ridiculously flamboyant in your face. Like, um... I don't know. Just, like, flamboyant anime style. Like, I don't know how to describe it other than that. Like... That's us on the nose. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I do enjoy that show. and That was one of the sh- first shows that was, like, cross-dressing. That's a thing. Fuck. <laughs> so, I don't know. Thoughts. Uh, <laughs> Thoughts not about anime, dude. Definitely not about, about fucking cross-dressing. <laughs> so, uh, Penny Parker was, um kind of interesting because they incorporated like the anime eyes and the anime hair like that specific style um and so that was she was just interesting in that aspect uh and so finally i think we're finishing up yes finally we're finishing up on spider-man noir and this one is my boy cage yeah cage hell yeah the national treasure himself so with this one they really focused on um, cross hatching and then like the old comic book like newsprint ink look mm-hmm. um, and so uh, and one of the big challenges too is he's completely in black and white so he has a lot more texture on him because I show depth within like a black silhouette yeah okay I wow fuck yeah so um, again if you like can take time to watch this movie and like pause it just on like individual characters and like at any point in the movie just to see pick out like these textures and stuff you will be amazed you will not never watch that movie again the same so um another like character i wanted to mention who's not like within like the like or he's like within the spider-verse but obviously not within like the spider-man like club yeah um it's prime universe <laughs> is uh kingpin and a big thing with him was um he is like a really unusual character in the sense of like his scale like they um in the book they talked about the fact that like they really went for like an eight foot by eight foot man. Yeah. And he is literally just like a large silhouette with a head. Yeah. He, they did him really well, <laughs> in my opinion. If You don't even have to have like any art background to be like, yep, that sounds right. Yeah. Okay. So to finish this up, I'm going to talk about the final scene. And in the final scene, um, there is the collider, uh, which brings all yeah. the portal or all the um, different dimensions together. And so this is actually based off a, a real collider in uh, Geneva, and it's based off uh, the Large Hardin, uh, Hadron Hadron yeah. Collider. Sure. Don't come for us, Geneva. <laughs> um, don't ask us to pronounce things on a podcast, yeah, damn dude. it! <laughs> Fuck, forcing to read, dude. Anyway, this is uh, it's based off uh, a collider that's 17 miles long and or 17 miles in circumference and 574 feet deep which of course the like animators had to like go bigger and better than that because yeah. it's like animated yeah and so um to get the style of like all the like different dimensions co- 
um, coming together. They took uh, seven different angles and seven different cameras to like get that final look. Like Mm -hmm. they basically took like each one and put them all compiled compiled together into like one frame, which like I just like it looked chaotic. Yeah, no, it just looks amazing. That was the intention was to look like look chaotic, but I mean they definitely achieved that goal. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I and so it's in like. So not only is it like seven different angles, seven different cameras, like all compiling on top of each other. They're like seven different styles as well, too. Yeah. That finishes us up on uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. They're coming out a second one. Yeah! Oh my god. Fuck you. You almost missed it. (laughs) You almost missed it, dude. Again. Yeah. Well, I was going to say something. Uh um... (laughs) Got him. But my computer died, so we had to re-record the last of this episode. I fucking beat her to it. And she, he beat me to it! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they are coming out with a Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse 2! Yeah. In 2022! Which it is that, this year, right yes. now. <laughs> right now, yes. We're it here. is 2022 right now! Welcome. Yeah. I'm pumped. I'm definitely going to see that. Hell yeah, dude. I'm, I wish, I mean, like... I know it was a safety reason, and I don't really want to do it right now, but, like, in a year, I'd be cool with doing, like, midnight movie, like, premieres again. Like, I'm, yeah. I I remember going to Harry Potter at, like, midnight movie premieres, yeah. and that was cool and fun. I just fucking hate people, Cool, man. I don't know, but fun, yes. Going to, going to see movies with people again amongst society? Ugh, people. Ugh. People are disgusting, dude. <laughs> Fuck that. No, I'm kidding. I'd probably go see it. Um, But, yeah. That was, uh, I'm pretty excited for this. I wonder what the new plot's gonna be. Yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't gotten, like, any information on it. I haven't even seen, like, a, like an a official, official release date yet. Yeah, okay. So, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I, I, my fear is, is it's gonna get caught up in the project. I'm excited for COVID projects, like, projects that are conceived in COVID, but there's a number of other COVID projects that were, like, interrupted by COVID. Yeah. And you can kind of tell on a lot of movies lately, it's like, oh, well, they had to cut certain things because COVID didn't give them time or they couldn't, like, film or whatever. Yeah. The budget wasn't there. Yeah. So I hope this isn't, like, one of those movies where it, like, isn't their full vision because yeah. don't f- Don't fuck up, like, the, the product, the end product, just because you want to put the product out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like... As a fan, I would much rather wait another year for it and it be what the, like, creators want. Yeah. So, I'm just putting that out there. Yeah, I got nothing but time, listening. bro. Got nothing but time, dude. We're good for it. So. All right, dude. You want to give the plugs? Yeah. Um, I, you can find our podcast at uh, blazebreak underscore pod on Instagram. And I'm J underscore Flanlock on Twitter. I'm also Lever Action for Liberty, a try hard name on Instagram. And I am We Call a Rose on Twitter and Instagram. Cool. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. All right, dude. See you next week. Yep. See you next week. All right.